Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another grand final edition of Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, your Shed Adamus. Okay, maybe not the full Shed Adamus after, how should I say, uh, last week's prediction. But uh, what an incredible grand final that we got to experience, Shedheads, uh, last weekend. And, and I really, as you can guess, that's where we're going to start off today's episode of Outside the Sheds. But uh, what a match. And and I know that there was a lot of fairy tale feel about it um, for both for both teams. You know, um, the, the Rabbitohs having some players that were moving on, possibly retiring. You know, Wayne Bennett having a chance to take three teams to, to uh, premierships, you know, grand final championships. Um, the Panthers, a redemption story, a story where they lost a match where they felt like if they had another five minutes on the clock last year against Melbourne that they would have been able to come over the top and, and make an incredible comeback to win uh, their first premiership since 2003. So... There was incredible storylines that were set up for the match. And, you know, I think when you go into a match that has that type of a feel to it, that both sides can say, this is why we should win, you know, the match today. That is the excitement that we get from sport. And I think that's what makes us come back week in and week out. Now, as you already know, the grand final score. And if you don't, turn your radios down if you have it on your DVR, because here it comes, Shedheads. Panthers 14, Rabbitohs 12 in front of 39,000 plus at Suncorp Stadium. The atmosphere was incredible, uh, especially for a, a game that was not a Queensland game. You know, that was a total, that was a total New South Wales game. Um, you know, Western, the Western Sydney against Eastern somewhat city Redfern. So, it was incredible that the turnout that they had for the grand final, and I think that just shows you why, you know, I know a lot of my friends uh, in New South Wales would beg to differ, but but Queensland feels that rugby league is their essence and what they are. And they, they kind of proved it by keeping the game afloat this season uh, with Peter Volandi's help, and, and uh, thank you, uh, Prime Minister and leader of Queensland. She made a lot of, um, well, she... Trust me, when the breakout came out the week leading into the grand final that uh, that there was a few COVID cases in, in, in Queensland, I think she knew not to get in the way of this grand final. Even though they did, did have to drop it back to 75% capacity, um, I don't think moving it to Townsville would have helped a, how should I say, a vote to put her back into power when that time came. But uh, that being said, incredible grand final. Let's go into it and break it down a little bit. Because I think there were some key, key points. And I think the cool thing about it is key players stepped up at key times. Uh, you know, and even though Nathan Cleary lost the Daily M to Turbo earlier in the week, I think we got to see that Nathan Cleary quite possibly is the best rugby league player on the planet right now. Um, Cleary's kicking game in the grand final, to me, was the major difference in the game. Forcing three line dropouts in the first 10 minutes, it just put the bunnies under the pump and really changed, 
I think, the dynamic of the game. Because I think Rabbitohs fans will say they felt like they were chasing the entire game. And the reason that you're chasing the entire game is because of the kicking game. It doesn't allow a team to get on the front foot. It doesn't allow a team to set up their offensive strategy. And it always makes the team feel like they're always defending. And I think that's why they say over and over again, the great teams are the best defensive sides. Because that is a lot of work. There's more work in holding your line and and doing the defensive, putting the tackle down, getting back, putting the tackle down, getting back. And it just wears you down. So with with those three line dropouts early in in, in the match... The Panthers got the ball rolling, something they weren't able to do in last year's grand final when, when Melbourne got out quick, punched him in the head about 25 times, and then took off towards the finish line. They didn't do it, and I think that has to be something said for Ivan Cleary trying to set up getting on top, but I think it has even more to do with his son for controlling the game through kicking. And I think if you're just getting into rugby league and you're just getting on that bandwagon, just just coming into outside the sheds here, I'll tell you the kicking game is probably the most important part of rugby league for that reason. It helps you set up and it helps you stay offensive without having to be fully defensive. So that was, to me, the difference in the game was Cleary's kicking game and, and, and him getting the Panthers on the front foot. So let's kind of go over the scoring because the Panthers scored in the 16-minute Matt Burton, which I think is going to be a key, key loss to them next season. But kudos to you Bulldogs. I'm still waiting to see if Josh Adokar was going to backflip uh, and say that he didn't want to leave Melbourne, which he might not. I think I think he has a, a, a fondness for bellyache. But uh, as you can see, uh, Adokar was in full blue and white uh, and, and being introduced as a, a Canterbury Bulldog. Well, Bulldog fan, Matt Burton shows you that he might have been, again, the difference in the victory this year because that first try was not something they had last season in the grand final. So Burton goes over uh, in the 16th. Cody Walker answers back with an incredible run up the middle. Uh, in the 21st minute that got the game tied up. Then there was two penalties that were exchanged. In the 32nd minute, Clary kicked it. In the 44th minute, uh, Reynolds kicked it. So we go into halftime tied up. And I think that really kind of set the tempo of what the first half was. And I think it had Bunnies fans feeling... No matter how bad the first half was, we're still right here. This is just, we had a, a not incredible first half of footy, and we're still tied. And, the, and, and, and I think if you're a Panthers fan, you were worried. Uh, you were worried, for one. For one, I think Greg, you know, Brandy Alexander, as you want to call him, Greg Alex, whatever. He might have lost five years of his life from going through that grand final. If you've seen any of the footage of him in the Fox Studios as he watched his Panthers go home uh, and finally get that victory and the emotion he had. But I know that he was definitely nervous that how well the Panthers played in that first half, they're still tied with the Bunnies. A team that felt like they were a team of destiny, a team of fate. So we go into the second half. 
And, I, you know, it has to be considered the play of the grand final. It has to be considered maybe one of the biggest plays in recent history. But Stephen Crichton's interception pass from Cody Walker uh, in the 66th minute uh, is going to be something we see for years. It's going to be a moment in Panther history. And unfortunately, it's going to be a moment in Cody Walker and South Sydney's history of just, I don't want to say it was an errant pan, a, excuse me, an errant pass. It was just a pass that was able to be read and change the course of the game. Because with that try, they go up 14 to 8 after Clittery converts. And it looks like they could be home, that that might have been the play that sealed the fate for South Sydney. And it wasn't the case. Again, Clint Eastwood's boys pick themselves up, come back down, and in the 73rd minute, Alex Johnson scores a try. And then the moment of the grand final. Redfern boy, Adam Reynolds, goes and, and attempts to do his conversion. And unfortunately... Shedheads, I got a pit in my stomach. One, you know your Shed Adamas picked the Rabbitohs to win. But two, I put myself in that position of Adam Reynolds to have to kick maybe his biggest kick because it might possibly be his last kick in a South Sydney jersey. And he missed it. And... I've told you, Shedheads, over and over and over again. South Sydney, I'm sorry about this, David. Understand, please. You're still my brother. South Sydney has not ever been my my team of choice. Um, I respect them. I know about their history. I love to see crazy uh, Russell Crowe with his beard looking like Noah. But I felt horrible that Adam Reynolds missed that kick. It... You know, I can't I can't say anything more. I just felt horrible, Shedheads. And I think no matter if you like South Sydney, don't dis- dislike the South Sydney, you feel for a guy that loves a club so much and knows that he's not going to be there next season. And that's already a bitter taste to swallow. But you just want one of the good guys of the game. Adam Reynolds doesn't get in trouble outside the game. You know, he's a family man. Uh, I don't know why he's getting his tattoos removed and then re-added. I, you know, that's 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 him. But he's a good guy. He's a good guy for the game. He's a great rabbit toe. He's going to go down as one of the greats in the history of the club. And to see him miss that, just ah, uh, it's still I still feel it. It still resonates. And you could just see him internally just just melt that he missed that kick. Um, because in the 79th minute, he had a chance to try to kick a two-point field goal, but didn't make it, and the Penrith Panthers win their first premiership since 2003 and lift the trophy. Uh, It was a very, very good game. It was a hard-hitting game. Uh, You got to see some cool things afterwards. Uh, Brian Tao... uh, proposing to his girlfriend and then gives her a hug as he's bleeding from the face. That was cool. It was it was a game that had it all, really. It really did. Uh, you got to see Cody Walker at his finest scoring 
and then you know again trying to push the envelope with the pass that didn't that that he couldn't pull off. But I think it was a fitting end to the rugby the NRL season. I guess it's not the rugby league season because we'll talk about that sooner than later. Uh, but it was a good it was a great great match, uh, and, and congratulations to the Penrith Panthers on their the, on their premiership. Nathan Cleary. Showed his guts, you know. He's he's already going in to have shoulder surgery um, for his 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 shoulder. They're saying it could be a six to eight months recovery time. If that shows you the damage that he was playing with um, since Origin, and he wins the Clive Churchill Medal, and I think that was fitting because there wasn't really a player that that shined for doing an incredible pass or a big run. Besides, you know, the Crichton steal. But Cleary's kicking game was the reason the Panthers won that match. And he, by every means, deserved it. Um, So now this is Penrith's third premiership. 91-2003-2021. It's been 18 long years. And I know the people from at the foot of the Blue Mountains will be celebrating for quite a long time. Now the question, as we have to do here, as every sports show has to do, is to really think if this is a beginning of a dynasty. You know, you have to remember Nathan Cleary's 23 years old. And he's already, you have to say, at the top of the game. You have to say he's Australia's halfback going forward. Nothing against DCE. But Nathan Cleary is probably the best halfback in the world right now. Um, Jerome Luai is going to be there for a while. Brian Tao is going to be there for a while uh, under contract. The question is, going into next season, is Penrith already the, the favorites to win the 22 Premiership or not? And I don't know. I You know, you can't say because as we know with Rugby League, Injuries will usually dictate who wins a championship or not. For example, if Nathan Cleary doesn't finish the season because of that shoulder, I don't think Penrith wins, right? And then we think about the other side for South Sydney. If Latrell Mitchell is there and not Blake Taff at the fullback position, you have to feel strongly that South Sydney would have had definitely a better chance to win that game. So it, it, it's it's really kind of up in the air. You know the the you know the Roosters are going to come back firing. Uh, you know Melbourne's going to be Melbourne. Uh, you know the Sharks have really put some some pieces in place that should make them a stronger club. So I don't know if you really can say that Penrith is going to be the favorites. They are the defending champ, and as the great Ric Flair would say, "Woo to beat the man, you got to beat the man." So we'll have to wait to see. I know I'm already excited for the 2022 season, but thank gosh we had a fitting conclusion to the NRL season, and again, congratulations to the Penrith Panthers. Let's go into the 40-20. Shedheads, I've got to tell you, it's been an emotional week for me. It's been, it's an, an end to an era has happened. Benji Marshall, after 19 seasons, is called time on his career, and I know you've heard me talk about Benji. I, I I know that 
you guys probably got the feeling uh, as I picked South Sydney that I really wanted to see Benji uh, get a championship, another premiership uh, to go with his 2005 premiership with the West Tigers. Um, but this is going to be my, the 2022 will be my first season of Benji not being in the game since I started watching the game uh, religiously. And he, by far, has been my favorite player. Uh, my other favorite player, I know you guys are going to go wow when I say this, but I, I've always been a huge fan of Todd Carney. I think Todd Carney, uh, if he could have got out of his way in certain situations, um, could have gone down as one of the great players in the game. I think the skill and talent that Todd Carney had um, really showed a lot. And and when Todd was mentally strong in good in an, and in a good place, he did some really incredible matches. I'm saying, you know, you don't have to look farther than 2010 uh, taking the Roosters one game away from winning it all, losing to the Dragons in the grand final. And then even the last game that he played with the Sharks, he led them back uh, to almost, to excuse me, beating the Brisbane Broncos. Um, and who would have thought it would have been his last match before the incident that caused his, uh, how should I say, exit from the NRL. So those are my two favorite players. And Benji by far, is easily my favorite. I actually have a uh, framed Benji Marshall, uh, West Tigers, gigantic, uh, when when he, I guess, left the club or was going to leave the club uh, that I have hanging on my wall. So it was really bittersweet because I thought we might get to see Benji play one more season, play his 20th season. I don't know if we knew where that was going to be. I know that he, he was he was already starting to get some offers in. I think what I heard was that the author was for a club that was in Queensland. Now, I think if you remember the beginning of this last season, uh, Todd Payton was in talks with Benji coming up to North Queensland. And I don't think Benji wanted to leave Sydney. As we know, he's got a, a gig with NRL 360 to be on their show every Tuesday as to give a player's perspective. So I think he really had his his foot in that media side, which he will definitely probably go on to now that he has officially hung up the boots. But it was bittersweet seeing him sit there with with uh, Fox Marshall on his lap and reminiscing and talking about his career and uh, why he thought it was time to go. Um, but I, I I just you just hate to see a guy leave who you think might have still a little bit left in the tank. You know, I think Benji was very comfortable with being that number 14 jersey this season with South Sydney. He got to play some incredible matches. I don't think any of us will forget the the, the game that he had in, during Anzac round this year for the Rabbitohs. So it, it's really, it's been a little bit of a mourning period for me this week, Shedheads. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I know some people will say none of us are supposed to root. We're lying. We all have favorite teams that got us in. We all have favorite players that got us into falling in love with the game that we love, the sport that we love. And even if you get into this this genre this uh, or media, and, and you always like and root for certain players because of what they've added to your life and what they've added to the game. And Benji Marshall has done more for this game probably since 2005 
than maybe any other player. I'm saying he got kids to change the way they played rugby league after that 2005 uh, grand final. But I want to go over some of Benji's numbers uh, to show you some of his greatness. And, And let's just go over these really quick. He played 346 NRL games. He won 181 of them. He got one premiership in 2005 with the Tigers. He had 31 tests with the New Zealand Kiwis. 15 wins of those 31 tests. One World Cup victory. Four, one Four Nations victory. Four NRL All-Star appearances. Getting two wins in those appearances. And one golden boot in 2010. Uh, like I said, the year that I, I got into the game and followed the Tigers. And I'm sorry, Tigers fans, that we're talking about this right now because those are some of the golden times. Those are some of the golden eras with with Benji and and Robbie Farah and um, uh, Bo, you know, Bo Ryan and and just some of the great players. Tim Moulton. Just some of the. It was just a really great time to be a West Tigers fan and. You know, Benji was a part of that. You know, no matter if he played with the Dragons and the Broncos and the Rabbitohs to finish out his career, he is he will go down to me as the greatest West Tiger. <clears throat> now, some of you will say that that uh, there might be other greats for you know Western Magpies or you know the Balmain Tigers, but for the West Tigers, he's the greatest player in that club's history. So. I really wanted to give a shout out. I wanted to pay tribute to the great Benji Marshall and say that he will be sorely, sorely missed. Uh, but like I said, followed his career no matter which club he went to. And I tell you, there wasn't a player that put a, a bigger smile on my face when he did something great. So congratulations, Benji, on an incredible career. Um, now you get to be an incredible father. And, and hopefully we get to see you week in and week out um, in the media aspect of rugby league because you still have a lot to offer now as we stay positive with Benji and the grand final we've got to come back to the negative side of the game and we've got two stories that we'll be covering here that really uh really really stink but uh Cameron Munster he might be on life support with the Melbourne Storm with his antics that he pulled I think there's a lot of things that have gone on behind the scenes that none of us may know about with Cameron and the Melbourne Storm uh, that may never see the light of day. But I will tell you that those things have occurred because there is real strong talk about this last occurrence that he had with the alleged powder in a bag and his dancing routine. There is huge talk that the Melbourne Storm almost tore up Cameron Munster's contract. And that's huge. I'm saying you have to think that Cameron Munster is one of the best players right now for the Melbourne Storm. Definitely he's the player that can do the most, has the most strike, the most upside. When they need a big play, he's their guy. That shows you a lot of things that Munster has put this club through, that there was real talks about tearing up his contract and sending him down the road. But they did not do that. But Cameron Munster, this is going to be a really unique season to watch Cameron Munster. 
Because to stay with the Melbourne Storm, he has checked into rehab. It sounds like he's going to be there for a month. He's in there now. He's got a $100,000 fine over his head with the club if he does not partake in a 12-month ban of not drinking alcohol. Now, I've got to really ask you, Shedhead, something right now. Some of you probably have friends or family members or maybe acquaintances that might have a substance abuse problem. But a lot of us don't have friends, family members, acquaintances, blah, 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 that are professional athletes, that have incorporated the come down of a big match, the come down of a loss of let's pop a beer and you know celebrate in the sheds or pop a beer to commiserate in the sheds. And I have a feeling Cameron Munster has been doing that his entire career as a professional. He's known to be the party guy. He's known to be the wild card. And even though he's about ready to be a father, you wonder how this could affect his game and what this does to show his love for the game. Because he's going to have to come at it from a different place. He's going to have to come at it with drinking a monster after a match. Or drinking a club soda after a match instead of chasing it with a triple X gold. And I'm curious to see what his response is going to be. Will he be like Tommy Turbo? Don't forget Turbo after the Corso run. Ah, ah, that's that's my hamstring. After Oh, I'm sorry, the slip in the shower. He gave up the booze. He gave up the drink. And what did he end up doing? He came back and for the first time that we can remember he finished the season without injury. And I think sometimes it takes players to see that alcohol probably isn't what you should be doing during a season. You've got to put the right type of fluids, the right type of food, the right type of sustenance in your body to be the athlete, that high-performance machine that you can be. And eating double cheeseburgers, animal style, whatever the heck you're doing, you know, drinking bourbon, Nothing against bourbon, shedheads. Please, I should strike that from record. Take bourbon out of the equation. Drinking, let's just say drinking, it can it affects the body. It dehydrates. It does a lot of things that you have to. That's why these players that have been on substances, drink and perform week in and week out are some incredible athletes. Because you wonder what they would be if they were actually clean and healthy. But this is going to be a really really unique time for Cameron Munster and it's going to be very much fascinating for us the viewer to see how he gets through this I'm hoping for the best I I, I I love to watch Cameron Munster play I think he is one of those virtuosos that can do a lot of things that most people can't and he does it off the cuff he's funny he's got a lot of that but I also think he likes being that party guy I think he likes being the guy that thinks he can say anything and everybody kind of giggles uh, when Cameron Munster is Cameron Munster. So we may get a lot more serious side of Cameron Munster. I hope we don't. I hope he finds a way to laugh and to continue to be that scalawag that a lot of people have come to love and, and some people have come to despise. But I want him to still have that love for the game that put him on a national and international platform. 
So I'm a big fan. I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I think this is going to be difficult for a while for Cameron Munster. But I think if he can get through this, maybe turn to being a father and a good partner, um, I think he can do it. I really do. So keep our fingers crossed, folks, that we don't lose one of the big players in our game because of demons. Well, I said that we're gonna, we've got some unfortunate things to talk about. And, well, guess what we're going to have to go back to? A club that, for some reason, can't get out of my crosshairs. A club that can't seem to get out of their way. And I think you know who I'm getting ready to say. Yes, Shedheads, the West Tigers. The West Tigers, who once again have missed the finals. The longest club now, 10 years in running, without a finals appearance decided not to take out any of their administration decided to some for some reason bring Madge back thinking that's going to you know that they're going to be able to write this ship probably going to take years off of Jackson Hastings life as he comes back to the NRL finally got a signing with Tyrone Peachy even though there's only two clubs looking to, to sign the peach, and we know that he is closer to the end than he is the beginning of his career. No, the West Tigers don't want to address any of that. The West Tigers want to address their logo. That's right. You heard me right. The West Tigers think that revitalizing the club and its image needs to start with changing and taking the paws off the Tiger. That's right. I just said it. Take the paws off the tiger. Let's do. Let's cut a few things out of the face of the tiger. It looks almost the same. And let's rebrand ourselves. And that'll change everything. That's going to make us now, woo, we're ready to go. We are the new West Tigers. No, you're not. No, you're not. Why don't we wait to change the logo and the brand after we finally do something on the field, West Tigers? I'm going to tell you something right now. Any fan of the West Tigers that does not lambast, throw them in the coals, take them to task, shout from the top of your homes, condos, or apartments, and just goes status quo, just goes, oh, I'm looking forward to 2022, you're letting down the club. Because you have to hold them accountable. You have to put their feet to the fire. It's like the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones doesn't make changes. Jerry Jones just is like, but why is he going to change? Because people just keep buying the jerseys. People keep coming to the stadium. People keep buying the $100 pizzas that are inside the stadium. You have to show as a fan, it is not acceptable. You cannot buy the gear. You have to stop showing up to the games. You have to cancel your membership. You have to do those type of things to show a club this isn't acceptable. And as fans, that's how we do this. We can do this more in the NRL and in the AFL than we can over here in America with these clubs because these billionaires don't care about the fans. Not at all. But you can do that in the countries that I love so much, Australia and New Zealand, by telling your club, by not giving them money, no, I need more from you. So, 
Tigers fans, the ball is in your court right now. I hope you enjoy your new logo. But you're going to still get the same unfortunate product. Because nothing's changed. So, good luck in 2022. And let's see, they finished 13th this year. Who knows? Maybe there's a wooden spoon in the future. Well, let's try to get a little bit more positive, even though we're not going to end fully positive with the 40-20. But St. George has named two big signings this week. Moses Suley and Aaron Woods have both signed one-year deals with the Dragons for 2022. And I know a lot of talk was that Aaron Woods was Woodsy, Woodsy was going to go back to the Tigers. He was hopefully going to finish off his career uh, in the black and gold, black and orange, whatever you want to say. But no, Woodsy's going to the Red V. That headband is going to find its way to fall off in a Red V jersey. And Moses Suley, to me, was one of the real strike players for Manly this year. And i kind of fascinated that they're letting him go. But I think these are big, big signings for the Red V. Both these guys seem like they have a little bit of game, Suley especially, um, and I, I'm kind of shocked right now that they only signed Suli to a one-year deal. Woodsy, you know, uh, that's probably what he was expecting to get anyway. But big moves, and I think some pretty big signings for St. George. Now, I think all of us were expecting this, but it is now official. ARLC Chairman Peter Volandes has informed the rugby league world the NRL will welcome his 17th club for the 2023 season. And I think we were expecting that. I think we were all thinking for sure Queensland was uh, getting ready to get another club, and and it looks like that's going to be the case. The three clubs in the running are the Brisbane Jets, the Brisbane Firehawks, and the Redcliffe Dolphins. Now, here's what's funny about this. For a long time, the Firehawks seemed like they were the team that had the best chance and were closer to the clubhouse than everybody else. That does not seem to be the case any longer because the Red Cliff Dolphins look like they are very close to being named that 17th club. And it's because of money. Oh my gosh, I know, can I, did I say that out loud? Yes, it is. It's because of money. The Dolphins have agreed to a deal with News Corp that has ensured an extra 75 to $100 million from this deal to be injected into the game over the next five years or over a five-year period of time if they get in. That's huge. That's game-changing, and that's probably why Redcliffe will be your 17th club. Unless one of these other clubs can find a way to bypass and sign a deal that can bring 125 to 150 million dollars to the game. Uh, it's all about money. Dollars make it talk. And with that, the Redcliffe Dolphins seem like they are the front runners to be your 17th club starting in 2023. And that also means now if some of the moves that have been discussed, maybe Cameron Munster, if he can stay clean and sober, uh, does he decide to make Redcliffe his destination? Does uh, Clint Eastwood, Wayne Bennett, is that his next club? Even though you got to think that means Wayne would not be starting to coach again fully, quote-unquote, until he's 76. Well, he seems a lot smarter than a 76-year-old in our country that thinks he can be the president of the United States uh, in another three years 
Oh my God. Anyway, let's not talk about that. But it looks like we may be pulling a flipper in 2023. So that's interesting and something for you shed heads to follow as long as you're shed Adamas. Now, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, we were talking about players that we really, really enjoy and and really bring a lot of joy uh, to us watching the game. And one of those players, besides Benji, was a player by the name of Manu Vadavai. And I hope you guys got to see the beast when he played with the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, I actually downstairs in my closet have a beast t-shirt a Manu Vadavai t-shirt from when I think he it might be from his 100th game they came out with a t-shirt for I think that's what it was anyway I love it it's one of my favorite shirts uh the beast he looks like he's changing into a beast on the shirt but as all of you know Manu played with a fire and a passion a hard edge to him when he was a warrior And he left the Warriors in 2017, um, unceremoniously, unfortunately. He couldn't get into the squad and uh, was more playing lower grade for the Warriors than he was playing with the big boys. He then went over to England and played for the Salford Red Devils for a little bit. And during his tenure there, got five tries for Salford. Came back to New Zealand. After that, uh, did not go well for him over in Salford. One Dancing with the Stars, which I didn't even know there was Dancing with the Stars in New Zealand. I thought we were unfortunately so just subjected to that over here in the States. But that makes sense because we don't have any new ingenious ideas over here for TV or uh, viewing. But that's where the story takes a turn. Because it has been reported and it is now fact and it is now in stone that Manu Vadavai has pleaded guilty to the importation of methamphetamines to New Zealand. This breach has charges that carry a maximum penalty of life in prison. Life in prison. For a guy that was one of the stars of the NRL. Now people will ask, does, is this another black eye for the NRL that they should be looking at helping players with that transition from all-star status and, and players uh, to life after footy? Does it show maybe that footy was the reason that Manu didn't get in trouble before? And I think that is a subjective conversation that you have to have. But to me... None of it matters because the only thing that matters is Manu has a young family that may not have their father there to watch them grow and to give them guidance. And I know some people might say, well, he didn't show them guidance by the decision he made about methamphetamines and bringing them into the country. But I just know that there wasn't a bigger smile in the NRL when he played than Manu Vadovai. I think that that the, the guy seemed like a guy that you would love to have a beer with and just sit back and to talk the game with. And I I hate to see these. I hate these stories. I hate it when players um, can't find their way after their careers end. But I guess the only thing you can say from this story is that you just hope that Manu Vadovai 
I guess, gets a sentence that is fair, but doesn't end his life behind bars. And that if he can possibly get a second chance, that he makes the most of it, cherishes his family, and brings, I don't know, maybe a little bit of respect back to his name, and can go forward and live a life that is more fruitful than it is staring at a, a jail cell and behind closed walls. So I, it's sad that I have to talk that story. It's sad that I have to report that story. But you have to show that in the game, there are positives and there's highs and lows. And we've got to report them all. So, Shedheads, that is how we're ending the 40-20. And uh, good stories and bad stories, but they're all stories. Now, I want to move, because I almost said the end of the, the rugby league season when I was talking about the grand final, and Shedheads, we all know that's not the case. Because tomorrow, the Super League grand final kicks off. That's right, you heard me say it. The Super League grand final between the Catlins Dragons and the St. Helens Saints is on point and is played at Old Trafford Stadium. That's right. Ronaldo, you will not be needed for three hours at Old Trafford. The game will be broadcast on Fox Soccer Channel here in the States, so that's really good and it's exciting. Um, and I just want to kind of go over a little bit about these two teams so you know going into this game what to expect. The Dragons won their first ever League Leaders Shield this year as the best club, and they did it quite handily, quite easily, too. Uh, I guess you would say their marquee match was would be their huge comeback with five minutes to go uh, during Magic Round and their victory uh, in that match that James Melody kicked the game-winning kick. Um, so that was their highlight. But again, a lot of people just don't understand Catlins has to, they're in the air a lot, traveling back over from Perpignan, France, to England. Uh, and to do what they did this year, maybe that's why they did so well. Because this pandemic, these two pandemic seasons we've had, kind of was what Catlins has been experiencing. Always in the plane, never fully knowing what's going to happen. You know, I think they were battle-hardened from their lives of being a, a the only club, now that the Toronto Wolfpack are not in the Super League, but the only club not in England and not in the UK. So that is Catalan's a little bit in a nutshell. But this will be their first ever grand final appearance. Now they won the Challenge Cup last, last year or two years ago, I'm sorry. Um, so they've had a little bit of success lately as a club. But it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they handle this big stage. Now, the team is led by James Maloney. That's right, Shedheads. James Maloney from the Roosters, the Shockies, the Penrith Panthers. Man of Steel winner for 2021, Sam Tompkins, which we also got to see in the NRL playing for the New Zealand Warriors. And Josh Drinkwater, another Tiger that got away who has been over in the Super League playing with Salford uh, and playing with the Catlins Dragons as well. So it's a team that has quite a few players that have done that have had a little bit of NRL experience. 
Um, and you, you just have to think, in a lot of people's eyes, they're the favorite to win it. I'm saying they have been the best team all season in the Super League. Um, and what a great story it'll be if they somehow can find a way to take that last step and to win the Super League Grand Final tomorrow. Now, unfortunately for the Catlins Dragons, they are going to go up against the three-time defending Super League Grand Final champions in the St. Helens Saints. The Saints, I guess you could say, haven't had their greatest season because they didn't win the League Leader Shield this year. So they weren't the top team all season in the Super League. But they did win the 2021 Challenge Cup. And you have to think that they might have to be the favorites going into this from their experience being on this grand and, you know, the grand final stage. None. Of, this isn't going to be anything new to these players. They're going to feel like, you know, it's old home. Now, last year they did win the grand final with no fans in the crowd. But that doesn't change the fact that they won it two years before that. Christian Wolf's Saints are led by Captain James Roby who's been there quite a while, and a plethora of other All-Stars, including 2021 Grand Final Hero Jack Wellsby. Wellsby! Wellsby's back. He did pull a little bit of a, a niggle uh, in the semifinal match to get to the Grand Final. So it looks like he's going to play, but he is coming in a little bit nicked up. Tommy Makinson, workhorse Alex Walmsley, Electrifying Regan Grace, who a lot of people got to see playing for Wales during the Rugby League World Cup. And then you have two departing NRL, ex-NRL, excuse me, All-Stars. And Kevin Nagama, who is coming back to Australia um, with his family. And Lachlan Coote, that a lot of people remember who played with the North Queensland Cowboys. Who's also a Scottish international now. Uh, and Lachlan Coote is moving on. It's his last game, as well with Nagama, for the St. Helens Saints. This match, Shedheads, is exciting, to put it, to say it, to state it, I guess, uh, in, in in downplaying it in how great of a, a grand final this will be. Uh, I, it, it is easily the two best clubs that will be going head-to-head -head this year. And I don't know. It, it, it's one of those ones that's hard for me to pick. Um, but I'm going to say this. I myself have to say this game comes down to Sam Tompkins' health for Catlins. How Catlins control the Saints' front rowers. And I think the biggest component is James Maloney and Drinkwater. Can they dic play, dictate play and control the kicking game? And I think we saw after the grand final with how Nathan Cleary control the kicking game for Penrith, that has to be done for the Catlins Dragons. One good thing for Catlins is Maloney and Drinkwater both are have really good boots. So they should be, how should I say, really, really uh, much up front with that and should be able to control that. But that's what it's going to come down to. And I think for me, that wild card, James Maloney is the reason I'm going to take Catlins to win the Super League Grand Final for 2021. So make sure you check it out tomorrow. It's It will be an incredible way to end rugby league, professional rugby league, um, for the 2021 season. 
Catlins, St. Helens from Old Trafford, Fox Soccer Channel. Be there or be not cool. Plain and simple. Shedheads. Now, as we make our transition, I told you we would keep up with some up-to-date stories for the AFL, even though the season has been completed. So as we go on to On the Mark, we start with the great Toby Green. We all know that Toby Green got three-game suspension uh, for his, let's put it this way, aggressive contact with the official in their match. Well, the tribunal has come back and said that three games is not enough, and they've given Toby Green another additional three games for his offense. So that means that Toby Green now is going to miss the first six weeks of the AFL season for the GWS Giants to start the 2022 season. I think that is fair. I think that is just. I never once thought that Toby Green accidentally ran into the official. No, Toby Green aimed for that official, wanted to make contact, and did. So that's why Toby Green, to me, needs to sit six weeks to sit and stew and to think how he will be a better player when he comes back from it. Now, a story that just broke uh, just hours ago, retired Carlton great Eddie Betts, who I think if you just love AFL, you love Eddie Betts. I'm saying not the biggest guy at all, uh, a, you know, a, pr- a proud Aboriginal man. Um, it's kicked some of the greatest goals that I think we've seen in the last five to ten years in the AFL, personally myself. But once again, the Blues do what the Blues always do and miss. Because Eddie Betts has been signed to by the Geelong Cats in a coaching role. He's going to be working in a development role for the club. But it, it makes you ask that question. Why the heck is Eddie Betts leaving Carlton and going to go to Geelong? A club that he has no history with. A club that... You know, he, you can't say he has a fondness probably in his heart. But how does Carlton let Eddie Betts leave? They should never let him leave to go to the Adelaide Crows in the first place. I, I, I'm, again, that is why if you're a Carlton Blues fan, you've been scratching and pulling your hair out for years. Because again, you just missed the mark. So, Congratulations, Eddie Betts. I think Geelong, once again, does what Geelong does. They bring in players that are needed and very good players to continue to add back to that Cats culture. Now, I promised you, Shedhead, that we were going to keep up to some of the moves and trades that are going along during this uh, free agency and open season uh, for these players to move. And we're going to just go over some of the big, big moves that have happened recently. Uh, The big one that just took place over the last 12 hours. Richmond receives Trent, excuse me, Robbie Tarrant um, from North Melbourne in exchange for Callum Coleman-Jones and some picks. And I think that's a big move because they really wanted Robbie Tarrant, the Tigers did. And I think that it had been talked for a while that, that, that Callum was going to be on the move from the Tigers. And they held, they held strong. They held strong. They wanted, that's what they wanted, and they got him. They got Robbie Tarrant. Uh, a lot of people think that move might put the Richmond Tigers back as one of the favorites once again to go back after that trophy next season. 
Carlton uh, is receiving uh, Lewis Young from the Dogs. West Coast is receiving Sam Petrevsky Seaton from the Blues. Uh, the Western Bulldogs have signed Tim O'Brien as an unrestricted free agent. Carlton is receiving Adam Sarah from the Dockers, while Fremantle is going to receive Will Brody from the Suns. The D's have signed Luke Dunstan to an unrestricted free agent contract. Uh, Dunstan is leaving St. Kilda. Port Adelaide is going to receive Jeremy Finlayson from GWS. Collingwood's receiving Nathan Kruger from the Cats. And Carlton is signing George Hewitt from the Swans. Those are just some of the moves that have happened during this open moving period. Um, and like I said, if any other big signings or moves happen, um, we will go over those uh, in next week's edition of Outside the Sheds. So, again, a little bit of a quiet period. I know some people will say that's not a quiet period at all because of the transactions and the signings and the moves that are going on. But the AFL, again, continues to flow even, there's, even though their season has been completed. Now, we need to go over the guns. We had two incredible guns that I, I picked from the grand final. Uh, my number one gun this week, Nathan Cleary. Two for two on conversions. One penalty goal. 111 running meters. Three tackle breaks. 17 tackles made with that bum shoulder. 649 kicking meters. Like I said... The reason the Penrith Panthers won the grand final. Four first drop, forced dropouts and 10 bomb kicks to uh, make Blake Taft's night, how should I say, not pleasant for South Sydney. So Nathan Cleary, your Clive Churchill medalist, is my number one gun for the week. My number two gun, Stephen Crichton. One try, 207 running meters, four tackle breaks, Two tackles made, and I think the biggest number, one intercept that broke open the grand final to lead the Penrith Panthers to the 2021 Premiership. And that is how we conclude our AFL Rugby League coverage. Let's do our last transition to outside the bubble. And I'm only going to go over two stories uh, the first story is something that just broke. Uh, Russell Wilson, after 10 years of being with the Seattle Seahawks, is set to finally miss time after last night's game with the Los Angeles Rams. Russell Wilson has a ruptured tendon in his finger, his middle finger on his throwing hand, that is going to cost Russell Wilson six to eight weeks on the sideline. And now your Seattle Seahawks will have to have Geno Smith under center for the foreseeable future. I got to tell you, it was really sad to see that happen to Russ last night. Uh, Geno did come in and play well, but you just wonder if that might have been the last nail in the coffin that might see Russell Wilson leaving the Seahawks for next season. I hope not. I hope Russell Wilson becomes a one-club quarterback, but as we've seen for years now no quarterback usually finishes with the same club I guess the only one is Eli Eli Manning uh, finished with his with the Giants without moving clubs but besides that every single other big quarterback including 
Some people's goat, Tom Brady, is now finishing his career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, um, really big uh, and a sad, sad story. Hopefully, Russ heals up quickly and comes back sooner than later. In uh, my last story for Outside the Bubble this week is a series that starts tonight that has never happened in the history of baseball. The San Francisco Giants, the Los Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, are going to meet for the first time ever in the Major League Baseball playoffs in a five-game series that starts this evening at 8.37 first pitch on WTBS. And I will be there for every single pitch for all five games because I do think it's going to go five games. And after, if you didn't see it, the walk-off home run uh, that happened for the Dodgers to get them over the St. Louis Cardinals and to set up this matchup is one of the reasons I think that the Dodgers are going to find a way to beat the Cardinals. I think, excuse me, to beat the Giants. They already beat the Cardinals, but to beat the Giants. But I think this shows you why baseball can't get out of its own way because the first round of the playoffs should not have 200-game winning teams playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. I think it's ridiculous. Um, But again, it's Major League Baseball and why we don't talk about it much here on Outside the Sheds because it's tough for me to talk about frustrating sports that can't get out of their own way. So, that being said though, Shedheads, if you do like Major League Baseball or just baseball as a whole, there's no way that you can miss this this five-game series. Game one is tonight. Game two is tomorrow. Uh, Dodgers, Giants, get ready to strap in for some old-fashioned hate. No Cal versus SoCal. Let's get it on. And I'm ready. And Shedheads, that brings to a conclusion our, again, our second grand final edition of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, but I hope even more so you're excited about tomorrow's Super League Grand Final, which will be on Fox Soccer Channel. I know I will be watching it. Shedheads, please, like I always tell you guys, treat each other well. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I am your Shed Adamus. Keep your fingers crossed for me that I finally pick one tomorrow for the Super League Grand Final. But until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.